What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 124 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on this fine Sunday evening and joining me as, I don't want to say usual, but as often, the great Eric Cole. What's up, man? You know, I'm like once every like three weeks or so. I mean, yeah. sometimes a little more often, depending on what's happening. Um, what's going on with you, man? You, you've been a you've been a busy boy. Oh yeah, just you know, it's it's travel season for me. Uh, basically, I think I'm gonna sleep in my own bed for like uh, it was like seven days in like a five week span, something like that. Eight days in a five week span, something outrageous like that. Um, so I I flew back in this morning. I leave again Wednesday morning, but uh, you know, a little pocket for the podcast, and uh, here we are, man. It's uh. It's baseball time, and the Braves are playing well. I mean, they had the postponement on Wednesday, but aside from that, and a uh, sort of a weird loss on Saturday in Kevin Gosman's debut with the Braves, they've now won six of seven. They're playing really well. Of course, the Phillies are playing, I guess, even better, or at least as well. They've won five in a row, so not a ton of ground being made up, but the Braves are playing some of the best baseball of the season. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a lot of things well. The, the offense has been a little bit inconsistent, but, I mean, the pitching's been really good. The bullpen seems... Really improved uh, the 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 additions of Brad Brock and um, you know Johnny Venters and those those two guys have been pitching well. AJ Minter has been pitching really well out of the bullpen too. You know it's just kind of one of those you feel a little better at the end of the game at end of games. Uh, some of the starting pitching has kind of felt a little rocky at times, but it's kind of they've been getting out of the jam. That's very was, kind. A very kind assessment from you. Well, you know, I mean, it's 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 like the beginning of the year where you know there would be some iffy starts, but they would get out of the jams that maybe they shouldn't have, and then yeah. that middle, you know, that for that month of July, every time they were in a jam, it ended up going poorly. It's kind of getting back to what it was for the beginning of the year, where they were kind of, you know, um, where they're kind of getting out of some of those jams a little bit more now, and they, you know, Newcomb seems like he's sort of coming around and sort of things like that. I mean, Tehran didn't look particularly good today at all, but the damage could have been a lot worse too. So I, I don't have a ton to you know be upset about. The, the team's playing pretty well. Uh, it helps that you're playing against the Marlins and the Mets. Sure. Uh, uh, and you know the, the Nationals, they've they've kind of looked uh, okay. I mean, they they annihilated the Mets twenty-five to four the other day, but other than that, they don't seem like they're like they're trying to surge to steal a a playoff spot or anything like that. So, you know, hopefully the Braves can do well there while the Phillies have a pretty tough road trip coming up. Yeah, I mean, you say that. This is a this is a big week for the Nationals-Braves front because they're playing four games over a three-day period. Uh, doubleheader on Tuesday uh, should be interesting. I think if the Nats want to make the run that they want to make, they're going to have to take three or four there or something like that. Um, at some point, the calendars kind of just creeps up on you and the Braves have a pretty comfortable working margin over the Nationals, but still, you know, playing four games in three days, it can kind of get off the rails in a hurry, so that's uh, something to definitely circle on your calendar this week, and the schedule for the Braves is not super easy moving forward here for a little bit after this little hiatus with Miami and New York that they they definitely uh, took advantage of. Now they got to play Washington for four and Milwaukee for three this week, so uh, that's not, you know, impossible by any means, uh, but at the same time, it's definitely not the same as playing the Mets and the Marlins for a full week, so the sledding is more difficult. Well, I think this is actually the most important week of the season, if I'm just being it honest be. about it. Yeah. Because you got the four game set with the Nationals, and then the, and then the Brewers, and you got and the Braves are going to be at home for that series. You like to think that if the Braves get out of that with you know a winning record or you know even better, you know something like five and two or six and one or something like that, that'd be ideal. Um, but the Phillies then ha- over that same period have to go visit the Diamondbacks and visit the Padres, and then have a two game stint at home against the Red Sox. So if the Braves Ooh. perform well over the stretch, they can knock out the Nationals, and if the Phillies falter at all, like that, that could that could end up just being kind of what ends up setting the stage for like the playoff race going forward. It's it's going to be a really interesting week for sure. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously the, the logistics of a day night doubleheader on Tuesday are always interesting, and then you have a Wednesday I, game that's national TV, ESPN, Fulte against Max Scherzer. Uh, so yeah, a lot of baseball to uh, pay attention to closely this week because it's going to be a big one, as you note there. Um, and by the way, uh, we should say, I guess specifically, the, the uh, Braves are up four and a half games on the Nationals right now as we speak. They're a game and a half back of the Phillies as, as we speak, and uh, right now... You know they have a, they have the second best winning percentage of the wild card race behind the Brewers, as you mentioned. So uh, they have a slightly better win, winning percentage than the D-backs and the Dodgers. By the way, just real quick here, the Braves still have played so many f- fewer games than a lot of teams. They have this crazy schedule the rest of the way. I think they have like what, like two off days, three off days, something like that. It's it's not a lot, no. And one of, one of them because is Monday. The postponement. Yeah, yeah, the postponement I, messed it up. Yeah, one, one of them is Monday, and then they have a doubleheader Tuesday. So it's like almost like you know, they, I guess they get some rest, but you know, having having to play two on Tuesday makes things even more difficult. So uh, that's an added challenge for a team that you know has um, obviously the inf- the infusion of new players, which we which I want to ask you about here in a second, but not the deepest roster in some ways. At least when you talk about just the major league roster, because the bench is kind of suspect, and uh, some of the pitching stuff has been out there. So yeah, something to watch there when there's less time off to be sure. Um, before we get on to some other stuff, I do want to ask about the trades that happened because we have not talked about the trades that have happened. Um, obviously, the big one is Kevin Gossman, who pitched over the weekend. It was solid but unspectacular, to be sure. And then Adam Duvall got a start in uh, in left field, and they moved around Acuna, as they as they said they were going to do, to center field against left, left-handed pitcher. Where were you at on, on those deals? And I guess, obviously, also the ones with Brad Brock and uh, Johnny Venters, even though those were obviously a little bit lesser. Well, the, the two reliever deals for Venters and Brock, I mean, <laughs> you gave away international money that they didn't seem to have any interest in spending. Yes. They, the team, it, there is a misnomer out there that the Braves couldn't spend that money. They absolutely could. They just weren't players for. They weren't in play for like big, like the big time players. They could spend up to three hundred thousand dollars per player, and you know they could theoretically. I guess they might still have some money floating around to do that, but they just didn't seem to have any interest in using it. So they used it for for assets for this year, and that you know I have no issues. With doing that, there was you didn't really give up anything, and, and both of them have looked pretty good so far. So I have no, I'm I'm happy with those moves. The Adam Duvall move is could be sneaky good, sneaky good because you have Lucas Sims, Matt Whistler, and <laughs> basically you have a bunch of assets and Preston Tucker. All three of those guys heading out, they weren't going to play on this roster anytime soon. Um, Preston Tucker is kind of like a a somewhat flawed but interesting player um, that could do well in Cincinnati because that's that's kind of a ballpark that might be built for him. Uh, and then you have Matt Whistler and Lucas Sims, who the Braves have they've tried Whistler out and starter and reliever, and for whatever reason he just can't get it done at the major league level. He's just too hittable. And Lucas Sims seems you know he seems to walk everybody when he comes up here, even though he again he's been good in AAA too. So you kind of maybe a, a change of scenery helps them. But he was they weren't they weren't a part of the Braves' future. There's just too many arms that are competing with them right now, and so they sent them out for and a guy in Duval who is. Has some like like really productive years recently in Cincinnati. Now, that with that ballpark, you kind of have to take a little bit with a grain of salt. But the way the Braves seem to be playing it is kind of using their his platoon splits in a smart way to, you know, possibly you know get some real value out of him by you know when you sit Ender, you put him out there in left field, and he could end up being really good. So I I have again. The price wasn't particularly high, so I'm fine with it. The before, Gaussman, hold on, before ahead. we get to that, before I want to ask you because people got people uh, were asking us this week. I got a couple questions before we get to the full fledged mailbag part later on about Duvall's long term because he is under control for the Braves, and there were some questions like, is he going to replace Marcakis? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's the plan for Adam Duvall. I think 
you know, that's not the worst case scenario for me playing a more of a prominent role next season, but I can't imagine a scenario where the Braves just say Adam Duvall's a full-time starter in the corner outfield spot. Am I wrong about that, you think? Or do I think that you think he's probably just a role player for uh, for the Braves? I, I don't think so. Some of that's going to depend on how Duvall finishes out the string and also kind of who's available on the, the trade and free agent market and kind of what the plan is for Ender and Ciarte going forward. Um, because I feel like that if anyone is the odd man out right now, it might be Ender. But I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Yeah, because I mean, Ender, and for me, Ender's like really is a really good defensive center fielder. Yeah, I actually and, think I actually think that um, if you were telling me that you had to play someone every day, I think Ender is better than Adam Duvall. Oh, agreed. But like, so, it's more yeah, of a, it's more of a if someone wants Ender to play center every day for them, right? You know what I mean? Like, he might be a trade guy well, for sure. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It, that that's that's more my. I feel like if anyone might get traded because I don't think Duvall's value is particularly high. No. So the, why would you move him necessarily? And by uh, the way, like more, he's so cheap. Duvall's so cheap that you don't have to make him a starting player. Like he no, can just be your he can just fourth be outfielder. your platoon guy. He yeah. can be your fourth outfielder and a really good bench bat. Yep, and that's fine. <laughs> Which that's the Braves best absolutely role, need. <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably his best role, and I think you know actually the current outfield setup makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways if they're mm-hmm. going to do what they've been doing. What I will say, though, eventually they might want to just go with Ronald Acuna in center field because that's probably his spot he should be playing. So I can't blame him for that. But if if you if they go in in, in the next season with these with with the same outfield, um, you know, obviously the contract for Marquez will be a very interesting negotiation based on how good he's been this year and the record before that because it was not that great. But it's one of those things where if they come to an agreement on like a team friendly ish one or two year deal with Marquez after this season then running it back with these four guys makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to kind of monitor how, like, Marquez finishes the year Absolutely. and all that stuff. Yeah. You don't want to spend you don't want to spend like $15 million a year on Nick Marquez. No, he can't. Right? I, I, don't think, I don't think he should be the priority necessarily. I think they should probably aim high, and maybe that's Bryce Harper. Maybe it's, Bryce Harper, maybe it's not, but they have enough, um, you know, financial flexibility and enough assets to go kind of try to aim high. But if Marquez is sort of a safety valve option, that's not a bad option based on how good he's been this year. And by the way, I will go ahead and say it will surprise me if he repeats this. Um, but at the same time, he looks like a different player in a lot of ways. So I'm not sure that means he's going to be like, you know, this kind of all-star next year, but it doesn't mean that he has to go back to what he was before that either. So uh, it's, it's, it's a tough spot given his age and his pedigree and all that stuff. And the fact that he's hitting free agency, it's a really interesting negotiation that we'll be definitely yeah, following, but it's, it's a weird spot. I, I, I mean, people keep asking me and maybe, maybe you have a better answer than I do about what I think that he's going to get on the market. And I just have no idea, frankly. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, his, his eight, I don't think, I think it's gonna be like a one or two year deal. It might be a per, like, it won't be like a, you know, $3 million a year deal or anything like that, but you know, he'll get more than that. But you know, it's interesting just because like his, per, his peripherals haven't changed a whole lot. I mean, his bad bips about the same, you know, he's hitting the ball harder in some respects, the biggest thing is that like his he never was a guy that struck out a ton. Yep. But the previous two years it was like at fourteen at sixteen percent. It's down to eleven this year. I mean, you're putting, you're putting in that many balls in play, and you know you're he seems to have a little bit of a t- change in approach in terms of just driving the ball. Like that's really paid off dividends for him. And you know that's I have no issues with you know Nick Marquez is turning into a good baseball player. I'm fine with that because that's he's been a big 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 part with why the Braves are competitive this year. And yeah, I I, and I don't want to undersell that undersell that at all. No, absolutely. He's been fantastic. I saw something today on Twitter about how he should be like a fringe MVP candidate and that's going too far. But uh, aside from that, I mean, he was a deserving All-Star. He's played at that level. You know, even uh, you know as of right now this moment um coming into today, he was almost at 3 wins above replacement on Fangraphs. 
um, and actually obviously had the uh, the home run on Sunday that won the game. So, you know, he's been fantastic. You know, 319, 386, 492 slugging is the stunning one for me. A near 500 slugging for Nick Marcakis in August is something I just never saw coming. So, shout out uh, to him. What, one, 130 WRC plus is no joke. No, yeah, one, 134 right now. If, if you include today, that's just nuts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, shouts to him. Anyway, before before I derailed you, we were about to talk about Kevin Gosman, and that's of course I think more of the headliner. I think Duvall was a sneaky good move as you mentioned, but Gosman, you know, it's one start. He was fine on Saturday. I don't really care about that necessarily. But what'd you make of the deal overall? Because I liked it. I thought it was a pretty reasonable price. But where were you at with that? I, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable price too. When you're getting up, depending on who you talk to, I, I think we were a little higher on Giancarlo Encarnacion maybe than others. But even then, you you're talking about. No guys basically in your top 15 prospects. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe Encarnacion is kind of like that fringe top 15. You don't give up any of those guys. Uh, you have to give up. You have to give up four guys, but you have to get them to get a control. Uh, a, a starter with real upside and really good stuff that's under control for a couple years. You have to take on some money with Darren O'Day, but because because O'Day is going to be out for the rest of the year. But when he comes back next year, it's entirely possible that. He's actually a really good reliever. He'll be overpaid, but he'll be... Yeah. Like, if you go by his track record, I know he's a little bit older, but if he's good, you don't care about paying him $9 million. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, re- relievers are kind of always going to be the weird market in terms of how much you have to pay them if you, want, if, they, if you want them to have any track record and any hope of being good over an entire season. But, I mean, his thing's a hamstring, right? Like, it's something... It, was, it wasn't like an arm or an elbow. Am I right in saying that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a hamstring. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not something that I necessarily have to worry about his arm going forward. So I'm I'm fine with it just because he might be a piece in the relief core next year. So it's kind of it was a good, it was a good deal. They didn't have to give up any pieces. The Orioles were just being it just almost felt like the Orioles were just being a bit cheap and just decided to you know get rid of like sell low on a guy and try to unload some money and take a lesser prospect return, which I was completely fine with. Um, yeah, it's just overall I'm, I'm happy with the deal. I'm not saying Gaussman's going to turn into like a number one or a number two, but I think the people that were expecting like the only guy that really kind of fit that kind of sort of was Chris Archer, and you know a bunch of people were bidding on him, and the Pirates paid out the nose to get him. So, you know the, those guys just aren't necessarily always available. You know what I mean? So I mean, to, to get the guy they got, it was fine. It's funny you hear this stuff probably even more than I do, but can you imagine the reaction if the Braves had paid a comparable package for Chris Archer? People would have been furious. Uh, there were a lot of people that really wanted Archer. I don't think they fully understood what it was going to cost again. Because well, I, I mean, think, yeah, I, I, Tyler Glass now, not long ago, was a top ten prospect in baseball. Some some people had him as top five. Yeah, he, and I mean, Austin Meadows slipped, is a but, really good player. Huh? Yeah, he slipped, but it's one of those things where I mean, it's tough to to do the you know comparable package. But I threw out a couple of options, and people were kind of just recoiling in horror. I'm like, listen, that's what it was going to take yep. for Chris Archer. We saw that. We saw that. I, you know, that's the package that won. But you know, if the Braves paid up that similar way, I mean, people that uh, liked Archer might have been okay with it, and people that just really value prospects that not that highly. But at the same time, I think a lot of the fan base would have been just like terrified by the payment. Um, for it, Archer, it would have so. it would have cost a lot. And that, Which, by, that, by the way, it should have. He's cheap. Yeah, he's cheap and for and locked up, and he's a good pitcher. Like it should it should cost Lock. a lot of money. It should cost a lot of prospects. It just should. He was locked up for a while and with, like, two options where, like, even if it doesn't work out, you can get off the hook. You know well, what I mean? yeah, and the thing is, like, you know, for instance, this is sort of a minor thing in some respects, but Archer is locked into a contract, not arbitration. Like, he, you, know what he, you, you know what he's making, whereas a lot of guys are just reaching arbitration. You still have to pay them 
uh, maybe a little bit more, whereas Archer is on this super team-friendly deal where it's like, you know, seven, eight million dollars a season, and it's like, listen, if you're getting a, even a number three starter for that for that money is huge value, and he, he has upside beyond that, so even that little nugget makes it even more obvious as to why he uh, was committing a, a big ransom there. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was definitely kind of getting excited that the Braves seemed like they were going to be making a push for Archer, but I'm also, like, I wasn't going to be heartbroken if it didn't happen, just because when you understand what that price is, Oh yeah. You know, if once it gets to a certain point, you're like, okay, maybe he's not going to be a guy that's necessarily going to like make or break your season. I don't, I don't even think that's true. So no, I mean, he was, especially he when was. you get a guy like Gaussman, who's like a legitimately has real upside, really big at fastball, like could end up being just fine. He's been more valuable this year than Archer too. Yeah, I said this. I mean, I'm not. I would not bet on this, but there's a there's a real scenario where Gaussman's better than Archer in a year yeah. or two. Um, Very possible. That, I mean, he, he he actually has more of a pedigree. He was a top five pick. He's younger. Um, I'm not. I'm not predicting that. Again, I think Archer's a better pitcher, but at the same time, I think I would have rather paid the package for Gosman than the package for Archer, given what we know. Uh, you know, it took to get Archer. I think it would have been uh, a little bit of a tough um, sell. So, anyway, I don't want to go too much on that. But I mean, the first start was kind of the first start. People were already like, "Oh, he's he's just okay." I'm like, "It's one start. Relax." <laughs> yeah. Like he's not going to be dominant. I, I do think that. Like, and more importantly, Zach time. Wheeler was dominant in that. Start. Oh that yeah, was kind of, he was great. really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gosman, it's going to take some time. I think the arm talent is definitely there, but I, w- I would have been pretty surprised if he just you know arrived and flipped the switch. Like he's, yeah, had, he, he's, had, he's had some very good stretches in his career, but he's he's a guy who's going to have to change a few things and probably to optimize himself. And that that, that, that's, that doesn't happen in one start; it just doesn't happen. Well, yeah, and he was really good through five innings. It's just that last inning, you know, he gave up like back to back to back singles, and then the bullpen came in and you know let some runners score. You know, like it's just kind of that's how it happens. So the, I I didn't really read too much into it. He's kind of you know a guy that just changed teams, getting used to things and all this other stuff. And they they seem to think that they have some ways they can change his approach and how he you know how he's pitching the guys that it could end up pay, paying dividends. Oh, I'm dividends. sure they do. Yeah. And if that's the case, then you know you, you end up getting a steal because I mean the guy the guy can throw upper 90s. You know any guy that a starter that's like that you know you have to be interested in at least some respect. Yeah, and I, and I do think even if he's just kind of the guy he's been, which is not an impressive necessarily overall package. He he'll be cheap enough and the and the price was low enough where even that pitcher that they're acquiring right this second is fine as a four or five starter. Like it's not a problem. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to have him suddenly, you know, rapidly improve here. It's my thing. I think they paid a package where if he's just the guy he's been, it's fine still. So absolutely. Sign me up for that. Uh, all right, let's move on to some other sort of newsy stuff. There's not a ton, uh, you know, sort of, it's kind of weird now. Um, the first time in this podcast history, we're talking about a pennant race, which is always fun. But at the same time, Post-trade deadline, there is always a little bit less to talk about because there's not rumor stuff out there necessarily. But the Braves have some minor league stuff to discuss, and that's, of course, your specialty. So uh, there's a lot of promotions in the last you know week and a half or so. Colby Allard came up to Atlanta and then went back to Gwinnett, but he'll be back up, I, I assume, at some point this year. You have you know Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson and Tukey Toussaint coming up um, to Gwinnett. A couple of other guys. So, you know, where are you at with, with, with all this stuff? It's sort of that time of year when this stuff happens. But anything sort of catch your eye on guys being promoted um, that got you either excited or a little bit scared? Or where, where are you at on all, all these guys? I mean, there are some exciting promotions. So I, I, I was very happy to see Colby get a, a start. Um, it was kind of in un- sub- pretty poor conditions. It was raining. Yeah, it was and a weird stuff. one for sure. You know, people were like talking about like his stuff doesn't look that good. And I'm like, you try throwing 92 in the rain. I mean, like it's 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 not it's not an ideal situation. But he still wasn't he wasn't awful. And he the it was a it was a good first step for him just to get a chance to kind of get in there. So that way, kind of the the nerves and all that stuff. The next time he comes up, won't be as 
won't be as bad, and he kind of has that experience to kind of go off of for the rest of the year in Gwinnett. He might come up once or twice, uh, maybe a September call-up, things like that. That seems like a, a probable thing that would happen. Um, now, obviously, uh, I, won't, I don't want to undersell like you know when Tuki got promoted to Gwinnett or Bryce Wilson getting call, called up to Gwinnett because what Bryce has done going from high A to triple A is yeah. no joke. He's difficult. been absurd, he's, by the way. He's, he is great. <laughs> yeah, and that was with like a four-start lull in double A, like where he was not very good. And like for the rest of the year, he's been great. He's been unbelievably good. Um, so, you know, I, and you know, I'm super happy for those guys, but moving drew waters and William Contreras, the high A at this point in the year was very confusing to me. Not because they're, they're both great. They're both top 10 prospects in the system and guys to be excited about, but the Braves MO for a long time, especially with younger guys, like not college players, has been, at the very least, you give them the whole year at Rome. Because that way it kind of gets them used to full-season ball, they don't move around very much, that's, and all of that. That's just what happens. That They did it with Ozzy when Ozzy was, was obviously great down there. They've done it with a ton of players. Uh, you know, Mike Soroka, Colby Allard, all those guys. They all did not get past Rome their first year in full-season ball. And they moved these guys up to high A. Now, some of that was kind of necessity because they moved some guys out of the system. Um, so they kind of had to fill some holes. But that is a very different development tact than what one has been done in the past and two what kind of what we were expecting because Alex Anthopoulos was pretty clear that he's not big on rushing guys uh and moving them super quickly uh he kind of wants to give them their time and the repetitions in the minors and that this doesn't necessarily jive with that um now the coinciding move was that the only reason that Drew Waters was able to move up is because they moved Christian Pache up to double a uh, I was a little concerned about Pache, just not because I don't love him as a prospect, but because the one thing that he needs to work on is just his bat in general, um, just kind of getting reps there and moving him quickly against more advanced pitchers was something that I was borderline concerned about just because I don't want him to get exposed and, you know, have to take a step back, you know, going in the double A. But, you know, he's played five games there and he's hitting almost 400. So I guess what do I know? Um, he's, you know, he's incredibly good. Uh, is probably going to be one of the better prospects in baseball not before too long just because his defensive value right now is already comparable to like some of the better defensive center fielders in the game right now uh and that's including the major league level and if he hits at all you know if he can continue to find that fine power and hit for you know between 280 and 300 which is what he's been doing this year you know that's a special player especially with his tool set yeah absolutely i do think uh you know the bats always gonna miss the swing skill there but at the same time, uh, it's always nice to have a baseline. I think it's kind of funny. I mean, the Ender comp is really obvious in a lot of ways, um, just yeah. because Ender's on the roster. Um, but you know, for as much as as much grief as Ender's caught this year for his bat, um, even when he was not hitting and he's not hit a lot this year, um, his overall package is still a useful player because if you have a guy who's a plus plus defender in center field that can run and do some other stuff, like the the bar's a lot lower for playable. And obviously, you want a guy to be better than that. But at the same time, like even with Ender's bat being down, he's he was still on pace to be you know more than a two win player this season. And that's kind of with pretty much a disaster scenario at the plate. And that's you know if that's your if that's your basement level, that's a pretty nice player. You know, it's kind of it's kind of what that and, is. And the thing with Pache is like you know, what Ender, he almost plays above his tools because like you know he's a a good base runner and that he gives you a lot of value there. But he's not like incredibly fast or anything. He's just you know he's he gets good jumps and he's aggressive on the base paths. With Pache, that's not the that's not the the case so much as he is legitimately like top of the scale speed and a bunch of athleticism to where you know even if the bottom of the scale is 
you know, a kind of kind of that Ender and Ciarte comp. What the top of the scale is, you know, is off the charts, and he's what he does in games could arguably be more exciting and more impactful just because he's so physically gifted. I mean, he's a world class athlete. He could have played yeah, any it's sport he a- wanted. It's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you said that. It's not a, obviously. I think we should probably say this. Just it's not a perfect comp. It's just one of those things where and they have the Braves statistically. Have it may, statistically, it's in the it's in the ballpark. But what he does is is different just because of you know just how athletically gifted he is. He's yeah. The Braves know, have this defense first center fielder, so it's an easy um, comparison. But nothing is perfect, and that's where comps get you in trouble. Which is I know you are. It's a dangerous I, thing I, because uh, I, prospect I, guys are always about comps, and it's like oh I hate comps. They're really tough. Sometimes. Yeah, I really, I, I really hate them. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they are descriptive, right? Like, they kind of like, okay, I kind of understand what you're trying to get at. You know, I mean, especially the statistically, they, they describe the situation well. Like, oh, okay, I get it. But at the same time, it kind of gets you in the trouble when, like, it, do, it doesn't line up. And in a lot of cases, when people use them, it's super lazy. You know? I'm just like, you, you, that, not really. I mean, yeah, he, he is a guy who runs fast. Um, and, and can catch the ball well, but it's also, you know, there's a lot more going on there. So when a lot of people use them, they just kind of, it feels like that they just say it just because they don't have anything more nuanced to say about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to do, and that's not a knock. It's just one of those things. It makes sense. Um, quickly, we'll move on from here because it's not a huge thing, but the Braves were not number one overall in the MLB Pipeline organizational rankings. Um, do you have any issue with that? I was the Padres number one, and that wasn't a huge surprise to anyone. They're sort of the team that's always mentioned alongside the Braves right now when it comes to organizational depth. Um, but uh, do you have a preference between those two at this point in time? You're, you're the guy who knows this stuff more than I do, so I'll defer to you all day long. I mean, I prefer personally prefer the Brave system just because a lot of the guys that the Padres are getting a lot of love for are super far away and have maybe not quite lived up to the hype that what their talent is. Uh, but it's not something I have a particularly strong feeling about. It there does not seem to be the the voice that you know, I've, I've you hear about who kind of who's in charge of what teams over there at Pipeline, and I don't know if necessarily the Braves have a particularly strong advocate um, over there. But at the same time, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like they have nine guys in the top 100. It's kind of hard to complain about what how much love the Braves are getting. Then the Padres system is really good and it's really it deep. Is. It's uh, it's just not a system that necessarily I feel like is quite earn the top spot yet but at the same time based on talent level it's kind of it's hard to argue with too i i, I like fernando tatis i like a lot of their guys uh you know mackenzie gore is gonna be really good too assuming he can you know stay healthy and kind of continue to develop so all those all those are very good players it's not it's i'm not it's not upsetting you know like if it was like you know they like out of nowhere put the phillies or something at the top that would be upsetting but this is more <laughs> just, this is more like a one one a type thing and i have my preference that i think the braves is the top still the top system in baseball but at the same time you know, it's 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 not something worth getting too riled up about. We got a question. I actually forgive me to whoever asked this question because I actually did not write it down. Now I'm remembering it as we talk about how much, if any, that this kind of organizational ranking would be affected by the by the Braves not having Carter Stewart. Like for instance, if the Braves just had a pencil in, you know, random top ten pick in the system, would that make that much of a difference? And that's a question I don't really have the answer to. But I thought it was at least interesting to at least think about that because you assume that if you have a top ten draft pick. That's going to be a pretty impressive prospect that you just add in for the price of nothing. So, especially since Carter Stewart probably would have been uh, healthily within the top 100. Uh, that, yeah. that one still hurts a little bit. Uh, I, I I will say this: next year is going to went from a draft that I mean, you're, I'm always interested in the draft just because I'm I'm weird and you know, and I talk to Matt constantly, and Matt's always already uh, in, interested in the in in draft classes. So you know, I'm kind of constantly bombarded with, you know, 
questions or this is what this guy's doing or that. But this draft went from relatively interesting to me to very interesting because the the Braves bonus pool just took a big jump up just because just because of having that top ten pick uh, in addition to another first round pick next year. Um, there, there's the class looks pretty good. Uh, we won't obviously we won't know much until next spring, but. There's some there's some guys who are already kind of catching some eyes that weren't really on radars, and the Braves could really make some hay in that draft. And while it sucks right now that you know you don't get Carter Stewart, who's a guy I still we we were still very excited that the Braves had drafted, and it just didn't work out signing him. What it could do for the Braves farm system as a whole could be really big, and also it'll be really interesting to see what their draft strategy is because if the Braves are in contention, you wonder how much more they're going to be focusing on college players, guys that can help quickly uh, versus continuing to go the kind of the prep route where they can, you know, grab guys with big upside and, you know, have to wait for them for a while. Yeah, to be sure. That's interesting. Uh, organizational stuff that we'll definitely save for, you know, February when we're dead and when we're dead in the water on content, Eric, that's one of those things that happens when the season's over. Hopefully the season will be longer this year. That'd be fun. If it was like, October yeah, just, just, yeah just, just, just a month longer. That's, yeah, that's all just, I want. All I ask is another month of baseball. Um, <laughs> that's a very small request. I mean, it's, it's it's a non-zero thing now, which is kind of wild. I tweeted about it earlier. It's like you know we've we've been covering the team for a long time. We've been bad. You know what I mean? Like a long oh, yeah. time. I mean, basically and the entire time I've been, you know, me I too. Say for sure, closely covering. Uh, I started um, a little bit when they were sort of winding down their light, their last playoff run. Um, but in terms of what I am doing now, this has been they've been bad the entire time. And the podcast we've talked about a couple times, but the podcast has never had a serious discussion about a baseball game you know, you know what i mean like one, i mean there's, there's obviously some times in april and may when games feel like they matter a little bit but in september the last two plus years that we've been doing the podcast it's been all about big picture in september and that will not be the case this year like i'm already sort of talking and planning and at least thinking about the podcast for the playoffs and like doing daily podcasts and like that's a weird weird thing to think about on this podcast because this has always been a weekly show but if, there, if there's playoff games, I'm going to probably record after every game because that's what happens in the playoffs. Things are yep. things, things matter. Moves matter. And that's a, it's just a weird calculus to shift. Yeah, it, and it's kind of funny because there's, you know, there's still like people – like and it, that whole thought process, like you know, when you mention like a guy is not really getting it done or maybe you need to make a change in the lineup or things like that, people are like, you know, just give them a chance. And I'm like, this isn't like when we were losing 90 games a year when you know you just want to see kind of who works where you're in the middle of a pennant race you, yeah. these the, all these little decisions everything matters matter. yep and at the same time though that the Braves have been doing this well like even if they don't make the playoffs it, this has been a joy like it's it feels a lot better kind of seeing the team do well cuz obviously I've been immersed in the minors for a long time and that's been very fun but I mean ultimately I'm a Braves fan you know what I mean and it's not it, I know it's not fun for just even casual fans, just to like see their team losing three out of four constantly, um, but you know being able to see the team doing well and you know getting to see a lot of the young guys that I've been covering for a long time performing well, I mean that it's been it's been a lot of fun and you know I'm glad that there's so much interest in the team right now for a number of reasons. For one, the site's doing really well, podcast is doing really well, and you know it's you know it's helping us on a kind of like the logistical side, but it's also just more fun just because you know you get to talk about really positive things happening when you got <laughs> yeah. instead of instead of viewing them from afar on other teams um you know it's 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 been really fun and i've had a blast with it well said um all right a couple more topics before we get into a couple mailbag questions then we'll get out of here uh the first one is uh about the rotation and um it's interesting we got a lot obviously julio Tehran was not great again 
today, uh, and his numbers for the season are really pretty ugly, including a walk rate of 4.55 per nine innings, which is Sean Newcomb level bad. And Julio does not have the stuff of Sean Newcomb. He cannot he cannot live in that area. We yeah, talk about that a lot. He, does, with Sean he doesn't Newcomb. give up three hits a start. Yeah, we <laughs> talk about that a lot with Sean Newcomb, where like Newcomb is the kind of guy who actually could be a helpful pitcher walking four and a half per nine. Uh, you know, he's not going to be an ace walking four and a half per nine, but he can actually be pretty good. Pretty good. Julio Tehran cannot be pretty good walking four and a half per nine. He's a basically a non-major leaguer if he's going to walk that many people based on his stuff right now. So, um, and by the way, a 5.34 FIP for Julio uh, right right now at this moment in time. We've got, we got, we got a few questions about this, about Julio and his rotation spot being secured. He's obviously owed some money in the future. It's not crazy crippling, but um, given the fact that Anibal Sanchez has been better than Julio this season, and then of course you have all the young guys as well, Julio's spot um, seems more shaky by the day. And I, I've been, you know, frankly saying that I think they're going to default to Julio um, as long as they can because he's been their guy for a long time. I know it's a new a, a new regime right now, but because they owe him money moving forward, I think they're going to, I've said this before, they're, they're going to default to him until they can't anymore, but a few more bad starts here in a row and you might be at the point where you can't anymore because as we just discussed, every start matters right now and he just doesn't look like a guy you want starting games at the end of a, at the end of a pennant race. <laughs> He would absolutely not be in my playoff rotation right now. Oh no! I mean, he he I'm, absolutely and, 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 and that's probably that's probably the right move. I mean, unless you're just deferring to veterans, which I would not necessarily do, he's not one of the best four pitchers on the roster. He's just not. Nope. At this moment, at least. I mean, it doesn't mean that the light can't come on, but he just cannot walk guys. I mean, his stuff is not good enough. It wasn't good enough in his prime to do this, but especially not now when he's sitting at ninety or whatever he's throwing his fastball. He and, and, not you, walk you can't guys walk. Like you can't walk guys and also have and also have home run problems. That's what that's what like I'm the, saying. Like he, like it's, the home it's, run stuff's always been the case with Julio. But you know when he was younger, he I mean when he was good, they were solo walking, shots. Yeah. yeah, he was walking two guys per nine, and that's what he has to do. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but there's a big gap between walking three guys per nine and four and a half guys per nine, and that's yep. a gap he just can't afford. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's going to be, and in, again, I mean, there's a lot of young guys lurking. I mean, Tuki Tassan's probably going to get called up to the majors. Like um, we, got a, we, got a, we got a question about that. Actually, a lot of questions about both Tuki and Kyle Wright coming up potentially in September. Do you think, I mean, you, I guess you just said Tuki's probably going to come up. you think that's going to be in a bullpen role? Or do you think they were going uh, to I think start? He'll start? I think he'll start off there uh, just because that, there might be more of a need there. The, the, the problem is there's so many arms that could be in the rotation uh whereas Tuki, it's kind of an easy slot in because like hey Tuki, just do what you do but throw it harder for two innings at a time uh, and you know maybe be like or be like a lance mccullers type you know like you, you bring him in as a long man he can throw five innings no problem and he will be incredibly fun to watch for those five innings um i could see it happening you know right's a little trickier just because one he just got to gwinnett right. whereas tuki has been there for a little bit but right's debut start he looked really good up until that last inning. <laughs> he he was like throwing a no hitter and like blowing his fastball by guys. Changeup looked good. Uh, curveball, his breaking ball was a little bit like kind of all over the place. But other than that, I mean, he looked he looked really good. So, you know, it's that that embarrassment of riches that we, riches we've kind of talked about when in terms of pitching. You know, when Bryce Wilson might be your third best option at <laughs> at Gwinnett right now uh, yeah. in terms of being a starter. That's you're you're doing just fine. Um, for yourself, uh, you know Max Fried is still lurking around, and you know he's gonna make he's gonna make a start, which will be interesting to see how he does there. He's the early game on Tuesday, by the way, for yep. those listening. Yep, he'll he he gets he gets another start uh, against a, a pretty good Nationals team. Uh, I don't know if I call him really good, but you know he'll he, he gets another he gets another shot to get his, cement his spot in the bullpen. Colby Allard's right there too. You know it's yeah. What I these are going to be very tough questions to answer because you know the Braves might have some answers in the 
questions in the bullpen, but they also have, you know, a lot of guys who they won't can't necessarily just jettison either. Uh, and then in the rotation, there's some question marks. But I mean, I just don't think they're going to bench to Tehran to bring up, you know, a, a Tehran or a Tuki or anything like no, that. No, it was. I mean, okay, how, how bad does it have to be for them to for them to literally just you know, phantom, phantom DL Julio. Does that have to be three more bad starts in a row? Five more bad starts? Like, how bad is it? I do think the the playoff rotation question is an interesting one, but you could just kind of leave them off the roster in that case. Until then, though, what would it take? I mean, I think, he ha- I think again, he's going to have a longer leash than fans want him, want him to have just because of the fact that he has this track record with the organization and the contract moving forward. Like, you can't just cut him. Like, it's, I mean, I guess they could, but it had to be really bad, really, really bad to do that with you know, I, I eight think figures left in his contract. Could- because technically speaking, the start that was from today wasn't good, but it wasn't awful either. No, it was. I mean, I, three, yeah, three, three, three bad good. starts in a row, and the team is within within two games of the first place. That might do it. Yeah. And, and I think that would do it. Oh, I think that, I, th- I think I think he would be. I think he would. I think he would have some right shoulder soreness in that case. Sure. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And you know, real quick before we move off the rotation for a second, um, what do you make of Anibal Sanchez? Obviously, he's been a little bit. He's been a little bit lucky, I will say, in the peripherals, but. You know, sub three ERA. Even his FIP is sub four. Like he looks. I mean, if you if you didn't know that he's been bad for three four years before this, you might believe it. Because um, he used to be pretty good. Um, yeah. And he said he looks. Well, he also like used to throw. He also used to throw ninety seven. Right. He, he, doesn't do, he doesn't does. do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, but but, that. but I will say he has his highest strike strikeout rate since two thousand thirteen this season. So it's not like he's doing it all with bad bit luck. I mean, there's some of that. He has, he has a two forty five bad bit allowed. That's, that's going to come up. But he's almost walking a batter per nine, and that's kind of where he used to live when he was good. Here's the thing that terrifies me about Anibal. He's been very, very good. right? I'll just go ahead and say that. There's no question he's been good. Um, the problem with Anibal is that he has historically had an issue with home runs. And I worry that when the regression train comes calling, it's going to come calling in a big way. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, like All of a sudden, he can't, he can't hit the corners. And he's the, and he's just a little bit too far fat fat on the plate. And when that happens, his pitches get hit really hard. Well, and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I know my reputation precedes me as being sort of a uh, pessimist on the Braves in a lot of ways. But at the same time, like, okay, it's per, assume they make the playoffs this year. Yeah. I, I think obviously we know for sure Fulty, Newcomb, and Gosman would be in the rotation. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, the fourth spot is whoever. I mean, Julio, Anibal, or Young Guy X. Um, that isn't a World Series rotation or anything close to it. Uh, that's that's kind of where I am at this point in time. I mean, unless Kevin Gosman becomes the guy that he was supposed to be in the draft as a top five guy, which I can't see happening this year necessarily. I, I, this is this is a good baseball team. The Braves are a very good. Baseball, I think they're probably a 90 ish win baseball team this season, but they don't have a ninety win rotation. If that makes sense. No. Um, now it's interesting just because once they get to the playoffs, they have a guy. They have guys in Newcomb and Fulty that, while they can be maddening at times, you know, especially with walks or just kind of not going super deep in games and managing their pitch counts, they also have times where, while they don't necessarily have the label as a frontline starter, they absolutely can pitch like them. Like Newcomb had a full had a no hitter going. Oh yes, they absolutely hit. can. That's I true. mean, like and, and both those guys can. I mean, Fulton and now, Newcomb can both do that. We, we've we've seen enough team, times this year. This is a team that's going to have to get hot at the right time and get a little lucky to go deep into the playoffs. But it's also a team that's very capable of it because if you, if Newcomb and Fulton all of a sudden are like can have stretches like they have had before, and they're pitching like that. And then, like a guy like Ronald Acuna, who when he gets hot, he literally can carry a baseball team. 
you know, that you can you can do it. Now, it's not something that's how you would draw it up and like, you know, on paper it looks super pretty. It's like, okay, this is what a playoff a playoff roster looks like. But at the same time, there's so many young guys that have shown such promise that if they get hot at the right time, like they can beat anybody. You know, I don't yeah. care if they have Max. I don't. I don't care if they have Max Scherzer on the mound or Kershaw or whatever. Yeah, because the only, the only. I mean, I think Scott said this on the last podcast, but the only team in the National League that would scare me in a series is the Dodgers. Everybody else, I feel like the Braves are a pretty live team. Um, you know, the Cubs are better than the Braves, but the Cubs rotation is not anything scary. Um, yeah. The Braves and the, Bra- the, and the Braves the have played against and the Braves have played against the Cubs well this year. Yeah, I mean, and again, if you look at look up and down the rosters in the National League. I mean, and Chris Bryant's hurt. Yeah, I mean, you could probably argue that that maybe a team or two are better than the Braves, but nobody outside of the Dodgers would scare me. The Dodgers are just better than the Braves are at this point in time. That's just the case. It's still baseball. Like, anything can happen. Um, But that's the only team in the National League that I would say is, like, definitively better than the Braves. Yep, Um, and and Clayton Kershaw's going to have to stay healthy, and that's been a little tough for him this year. Yeah, I mean... Now, if Clayton Kershaw's healthy, I mean, what are you going to do? And it's also their depth. I mean, L.A. just, I mean, to be... Fair. They have they have they have unlimited funds, and they have a very good front office. So their depth is just kind of silly. They just have guys everywhere. Like, oh, we lost Corey Seager for the season. Let's trade for Manny Machado. Like that. That's the thing that happened. <laughs> they lost Corey Seager for the season, and they traded for Manny Machado. Yep. Like what? That, that, <laughs> yeah, that worked out. That worked out pretty well for them. It's just you insane. Know, no, I mean, it's, yeah. they're they're just better, and it's, and they're the only team that's as good as the teams in the American League. You're talking about you know Boston, New York, Houston, Cleveland. Those teams are all better than everybody else in the national in the National League too. So it's uh, again, you're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to you know winning the World Series in 2018. But you know, aside from that, like it would at this point, it would. It, I'm officially in the. Um, let's see how I want to say this. This I'm officially at the point where I would not be surprised if the Braves played the National League Championship Series. I would not predict that, um, but it would not surprise me because as I, as I just said, they would be 50-50 basically coin flips against anybody but the Dodgers. So. Yep, and I'm. I want I, a playoff appearance would just be amazing. For yeah, me. just get you know me to I mean? a series. I'll, I don't want to yeah, mess with the wild yeah. card game necessarily. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, I, 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 I went. I went to the influ fly rule game. Me too. It was not fun. Yeah, I got pelted with beer. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I actually had like a bruise on my ankle for like two weeks from like a big heavy metal one. Oof. But um, and then I, w- I was at the one of the Clayton Kershaw games during the Dodgers series. Uh, and while neither of those two games ended particularly well. Like I want to be there for that atmosphere, and I want to I want to see that happen. And like, for the first time in a long time, uh, I it actually feels like this might happen. Uh, just just getting to a series, and that would be that would be awesome. And honestly, I think the Braves' best chance to get to the playoffs is just winning the division. And to be frank, I just don't have any faith that the Phillies' offense is going to be able to sustain anything close to enough to win the division. So. No, I, I do think um, if I was picking it today, I picked the Braves to win the division because I don't believe in Philly. I think the pitching's been very good. Yeah, I think Washington actually might be the best team still, but they're still six games back. Like, that's a big margin in, for two months. So, uh, yeah, the Braves, I think, would be my pick at this moment in time, and that's always a fun place to be. Uh, one more thing before I let you get out of here, and that's the, uh, the Dansby Swanson piece that you wrote this week. They got a lot of reaction. Uh, I'm sure you heard a lot of people talking to you about it, and actually we got a lot of questions sort of surrounding that and third base. Uh, that's been a topic, of course, all season long when it comes to third base, especially. And now the trade, that, now the deadline has passed. There's not as much of that, but there's um, a question, for instance, that we got from uh, Jared Oates this week that says, "Is there any possibility that, we, that the Braves make Austin Riley a corner outfielder to leave Johan Camargo at third base?" That's one point of view, and the other point of view is that people want to move Camargo to shortstop and bet Dansby Swanson. So, <laughs> where are you at with this whole thing? I know you wrote a lot about it, but give, me, give people the cliffs, the cliffs notes about what you wrote about Dansby. 
kind of where you are on it because it's sort of uncertain at this moment in time. But um, I, you know, it's easy to argue in a lot of different ways here, which makes it a fun debate, but it's also one that's been happening for so long now that it's also kind of frustrating for me. So um, where are you sitting uh, here in, on August 5th with this whole thing? So the article I wrote, uh, and for the most part, people were just like, you know, they, they, they would just say what they would do. The, the title of the article was, What Should the Braves Do About Dan V. Swanson? And my argument was that, you know, the guy has improved over last year, but that improvement hasn't been substantial at the plate. Uh, now, what he has done is improve a lot defensively, which begs the question, and we talk about this with Ender a lot, is how good does a player have to be defensively versus being not particularly good at the plate? Like, how, how, what is the balance? Where's the line where he no longer becomes a guy that should be playing every day? And there's a lot to like about what Dansby's done. He's a top six, you know, shortstop in baseball this year in terms of overall production defensively. But uh, at the bat, with the bat, if you take away that first month of the season where he was legitimately a good hitter, he looks very like the offensive profile is very similar to what he looked like last year, which is somewhat troubling. So, like, how long do you wait? And I think it's clear that the Braves are going to at the very least go through the end of the year with Dansby Swanson as their starting shortstop. And, you know, even if he doesn't really hit very much, you know, he's still a pretty valuable defensive player this year. Now the question becomes, how does that hold up over the course of the year? Because the Braves have, after this year, because the Braves have some options. They can either just ride it out and hope he figures it out at the plate, which, you know, maybe he will, maybe he won't. He's a pretty young guy, but he's not, you know, he's not he's not 20 or 21, still learning how to hit. You know, he's a guy, he was a college guy. He'll be in his mid-20s, and, you know, how much better is he realistically going to get at the plate becomes a very real question. Uh, there's also the, the Johan Camargo thing, which I don't think anyone saw coming, but I'm happy it's happened. Uh, I personally still like Johan as a super utility guy that gets a bunch of at-bats, you know, giving Ozzy a day off, Dansby a day off, whoever's playing third base a day off, getting him in the lineup, playing matchups as needed. That the He's perfect for that, and he's been a very productive player. But he's also a guy that is probably a better hitter than Dan- – I don't say probably. He's a better hitter than Dansby right now. Absolutely. And – he, I don't the drop off defensively. I mean, he's not he's not a schlub out there. He can he can he can play he can play defense I, too. I do think that it would be a significant defensive downgrade. Yes, um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean Camargo couldn't play shortstop and be fine. If that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, it's and that's one of the reasons it's very complicated. And the whole thing is, I'm still with you on him being a super utility guy. He has been better than I ever thought he'd be this year. And uh, this is Camargo talking about um, at the plate. The uh, you know his numbers are very solid. You know his kind of quietly the play discipline stuff from early in the year has cooled off considerably um he's more of a normal profile in that way now but the power's been legit um he's on pace for you know almost three wins this season that's a very nice player at third base um i will say it's one it's one of those things though that i think we've almost seen it come down almost on lines of like traditional baseball guy versus advanced baseball guy in some ways numbers wise on camargo and that's because like I think people think of utility role as like a slap in the face to someone like Johan Camargo. Yeah, no, I, I want a really good utility guy. But that's the thing. I think you and I are thinking about this like I think when people say like I think people hear us say that and they're thinking that he's going to be you know Charlie Culberson and have 200 bats for the season. I'm you and I I think are talking about a guy who is a near full time player. Like look at the Cubs for instance, and they have a bunch of guys who play all over the place and get 400 plate appearances a season and are like really effective in that way. And I think Camargo is that kind of guy. It's not a shot at him at all. He's no. better than he's better than I ever thought he would be. So I was uh, full mea culpa. I was wrong on Yon Camargo. He is better than I thought. At the same time, 
I don't think necessarily you just leave him at third base and say that's our guy forever at third base. I think he I think a lot of his value and it's a good thing is that he can play everywhere. And if you have that guy even by the way, he can play corner outfield pretty easily, yeah. I think. So like yeah. if you have a guy who that could seriously play third base, shortstop, second base, and both corner outfield spots and also hit. Like play the guy everywhere. Like there's no reason why you wouldn't do that. And this year, the reason is they don't have a they don't have a better option at third base. But if they had, if Austin Riley is is really good, or if they if they sign a third baseman, and you suddenly have someone's better, it's like go ahead. It's just kind of the same thing as we we talked about with Adam Duvall last week. It was like we all talked about Ender not playing its lefties, but the Braves didn't pull that move until they actually had an option. You know what I mean? Like they need they needed someone that they they could actually say with a straight face is going to start in left field. And that wasn't on the current roster. So they went out and got Adam Duvall. It's like, oh, that's what they wanted to do all along. They just had to have somebody that could actually play left field. It's the same thing with Camargo. If the Braves had a four-win third baseman on their roster that wasn't Camargo, we'd probably see him in that role. Yep. I mean, and that's what I, I try to use instead of using the word utility. Like, you and I understand, like, when we're talking about super utility, I mean, like, he gets they get plenty of at-bats, right? But... I, I try to use the, the phrase Martin Prado as much as I can because while people don't necessarily understand what like super utility means in terms of getting a lot of at bats, they do understand that Martin Prado was a very good baseball player and he played everywhere. So um, it's kind of I mean is that is that a perfect comp either? No, because they're again very different players. But at the same time, in terms of that overall value, like that that's a guy that's the kind of guy he could be. You know, and that's has a ton of value on a very good baseball team because you have your regulars in place and you have a guy that gives them days off. Or if there's some platoon split issues, you can kind of put them in against, you know, you can put Camargo against lefties or righties and you kind of you almost prefer him against lefties just because his right handed swings so much better. But both, he swings from both sides of the plate pretty well. Uh, and, you know, he'll draw walks, uh, not quite as much as what he was earlier this year where he was just like, you know, had like a 400 OBP, but you know it's at the same time he'll he will draw walks and you know he makes hard contact. These are all good things, and yep. that's the kind of guy I want the I want on this team. But it's not necessarily a guy that I want to you know slap at third because I think that the if you put someone good at third, the team overall becomes much better because Johan Camargo will remain on it and get it regular at bats. Yep, I as totally opposed agree. to as, as opposed to you know giving Ryan Flaherty plate you know plate appearances Ugh. where the, the best the best thing you can hope for is a successful sacrifice bunt. Yeah. That's like at this point, that's the best thing that can happen. When, no, it's, when, he, when he comes to play, it's rough. I mean, okay, so now we have that out of the way. The I think almost the louder contingent in the last couple of days has been Camargo versus Swanson. That's not a new argument at all. People want to yell at me a lot. I've, I've I have some tweets out there from the offseason talking about how much better Dansby is than Camargo. I still believe he's better um, as a player. Um, Camargo has been better this year at the plate. There's no question about that. And I, if you ask me who's the better hitter, the better hitter right now, the answer is Jan Camargo. There's no way around that. At the same time, Dansby sort of an interesting question all along. We talk about this a lot, but where are you at on him as a hitter? Because, and I guess almost the more important question is how good of a hitter does he have to be to where you're not worried about him at shortstop? Because that, that, that's that, the that, more that, important. That, that was the central question. Like if, if he is this guy right now, which is like a top six defensive shortstop in baseball, right? Well, I mean, yeah, okay. If he's that guy. Def- he's definitely that. And I think at this point in time, he's definitely that. And just, it's, it's one metric, but for instance, coming into today, Dansby has one, had 1.3 um, Fangraphs war. Um, yep. I'm looking, I'm looking for um, baseball reference right now as we talk about this, um, because it's um, a situation where that matters as well. But if you extract that out over the full season, 
It's more than two wins. Okay, I have the I have, favorite, I have a baseball reference up there now. He's at 1.8 at baseball reference. So think about, let's just say 2.2, 2.5 win player with, the, with his current bat and current glove. I still think his bat will be in better than this. But even if he's not, let's just say he's not a better hitter than this. Is it a problem to have a, have a guy on, on basically making very little money that is a two-and-a-half win player at shortstop? No, this is something I mentioned in the in in the article is that you do not have to have everyone in your lineup with an 800 OPS or higher. You absolutely do not. That like not every roster is going to have you know three plus win players at every position. It's just not it's not feasible and it's not to be expected. Now you don't want to have big holes in your lineup where you have like for example when right. when Ender's not hitting like he's he, he's hitting pretty well right now. So and like it seems like that this platoon split thing hopefully that works out. But you don't want to have your seven, eight, nine hitters, including the pitcher, being like those are automatic three outs. Well, and that's, I mean, it's not been that bad this year, but at the same time, I will say it is it is tough to have 2018 Swanson and 2018 NCRT back-to-back in the lineup. It's tough. Because those guys, and by, again, they're both very good defenders at premium positions. That's what makes it, that's what makes this even more difficult, is that if both of them are on the roster. If Daisy was playing... <laughs> Second base or left field, like these are the most important defensive positions on the roster, and you have two really good defenders at both spots. So it's really tough. Like I do think you know the the Simmons comparison is always out there for Dansby. Uh, obviously, he isn't the defender that Simmons is. <laughs> yeah, because... I'm about to say Dansby is not Andrelton. That's, no, that's, but that's the because it's easier to answer for me for Andrelton because he was so much better than everyone else. Well, yeah, that's the I thing. don't. I didn't. I didn't particularly care what Andrelton did at the plate. Well, right, and but... that near to the Braves, I'm pretty sure. But at, at the same time, you know, because it's a shortstop, you know, Andrelton is either the best or second best shortstop of all time defensively. So it's not like that's a different conversation. But Dansby's a legitimate plus defender. Yep. Who also can run and do all this other stuff, same as Ender, but having two of them is where people get stuck. I think if the Braves had an opposite kind of player in center field, for instance, if the Braves had someone who could really hit and couldn't defend in center field, pick pick a guy that was the exact same value overall as Ender and Ciarte, people wouldn't really care as much about Dan, about, about Dansby's bat. And the same way around at shortstop, if the Braves had had this had this bat first yeah. guy at shortstop, and they had Ender. I don't think as long as Ender wasn't hitting leadoff, uh, no one will, <laughs> no one will really care. But when you have two, it gets into a, a lineup building thing, which I I think most of most people have focused on Enciarte as the guy that could be, um, you know, expendable. But and with, with as long as uh, Dansby's been struggling now, the whispers are getting a little bit louder that you know maybe it's Dansby. And I, I still believe in Dansby because as we talked about, I think his bat's better than this, and even if it's not. Yeah. A two and a half win player at shortstop for five hundred five five hundred sixty five thousand dollars, like the value there is incredible. But yeah. you also have Ozzy Albies who can play shortstop, and you have Yohan Camargo who can play shortstop. So it's all this. It's a very layered discussion. There's nothing that's like yeah, really definitive it, it, right oh, now. It basically is there. Would it makes the question? The central question is: Does if you remove Dansby Swanson in some form or fashion, would it mean you put Camargo at short or whatever? You know, you move move him to third, and you you sign a new shortstop, whatever. Is it an upgrade? And that is not an easy question to answer because who the replacement is matters a lot. And if those such a guy even that is available and cost effective exists, and I don't have an answer. I mean, yeah, if the Braves trade for Nolan Arenado, you know what I mean? Like, right, that's, and that's that's, that's very like, different. It's yeah, just, but 
it's tough for me to it's tough for me to see a scenario where after 2018 the Braves give on Nancy Swanson. You know what uh, I mean? I, yeah, I I don't think it'll happen. I don't uh, either. I think I think if they're going to trade one of those guys, going to be Ender. See, I think the I think Ender is the more likely of the two, just just because his playing time is already being affected. Right? Well, like, and and they're I think they're more willing to just put Acuna in center field than they are to put Albies at shortstop. Yeah, or put Camargo at shortstop. Yeah, like, that's, that, <laughs> yeah here's the other thing for me: if they traded Swanson and didn't play Ozzy at shortstop, I would be irate. <laughs> and they would, and they wouldn't do it. I'm pretty sure, but I, I, I think they'd, I think they'd keep Ozzy at second two, and they put Camargo at that short. That makes no sense, but okay, whatever, it's fine. Uh, it's <laughs> something to get mad about for a later date, but I, I do. Brad, think... I understand that you're upset that they didn't trade Ozzy, and now you want them to get maximum value for Ozzy at shortstop. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, no. Okay, last you know hypothetical value question: Would okay. you rather have a player of of Dansby's exact? Okay, because honestly, if we're looking at the numbers right now, Dansby and Ender are pretty similar in terms of just overall player right now. Like, not, you know, the way they get there is not all that similar. But for instance, you know, Swanson has a 695 OPS this year with plus defense. Uh, Ender's OPS is probably a little bit better than that I'm looking at now. Uh, Actually, it's actually actually worse. Um, So they're fairly similar players this year. Plus defense, premium position, bad offense. Would yeah. you rather have that that guy at shortstop or that guy at center that guy in center field as a team building exercise? Would you rather have a bad hitter at shortstop or a bad hitter at center field? Bad hitter and center fielder, I think. That's I, I'm I, I'm not even sure I have an answer. I just that's that's sort of an that, interesting that, I, question. I, and too. like I don't think either one's wrong. I just think that for me, and maybe I think, and maybe this I is think just kind probably, of my impression I, of it. Yeah, I, I think it's probably shortstop for me because the baseline of shortstop is pretty low. Like how many good, hit, legitimately good hitting shortstops are there? There's a lot more now. There are, there are more now than there were. I'm, I agree with you on that. It's just I mean, a I mean like where it's, it seems like every good team right now has, has like one. some some one. some crazy some crazy good shortstop that like has you, you real like, out, you, value. You, you, you like, you know, like, like Ozzy Albies would be. Interesting. No, I'm just kidding. I'm really just being funny. But no, it's. uh, I mean, give me Francisco Lindor. Give me Carlos Correa. Give me. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good shortstops in the league right now. Yeah, I just. I mean, the Astros have like seven on their roster. They have like you know swap them in and out. I mean, Alex Bregman could play shortstop. They slide him over to third because they have Carlos Correa. I mean, you know that. It's now how many of those are actually available? No, I mean, I just think it's interesting to think about this stuff, and that's why I think it's important that we talk about this stuff, kind of you know, rationally and not get too attached. It's always hard. You know, fans are fans and people, people I get attached up. and people think that if you're talking about replacing a player or upgrading a position that you hate the baseball. Well, team. that's, that's the thing. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying without saying it. Like, you know, Camargo has a, has a really, really passionate fan base. Uh, Dansby has really passionate fans and detractors. Okay. Can confirm that one. Uh, because uh, Ender, my mentions have been mess. I mean, and Ender has a lot of fans too. I mean, I think yeah. it's kind of, they've been quieter this year uh, for obvious reasons, but you know, there's the 200 hit contingent that will just defend Ender to the end of the earth. Um, so it's, you know, it's all about kind of, you know, nuance is dead. As they say, it's definitely better podcast fodder than it is for Twitter because you have, you need some space to have this conversation. Like these, these, these are not easy players to evaluate. Even Camargo, as good as he's been this year, if you're someone who really values pedigree and history, there isn't much there. Like he was not a very good minor league baseball player. So, and I know he's young, but like 
Ender's the same way. I mean, Ender's bat is kind of a tough one because of the fact that it's a really traditional, traditional favorable, traditionally favorable batting line with a high batting average and not much else. Whereas the advanced people really don't like his bat very much. It's like it's all all three of those guys and more really have a lot of nuance to the discussion and that because the Braves have all this money and and this winter when they're going to have 50 million or so probably to spend you know these conversations have to happen because there are guys who are just locked in obviously Acuna's not going anywhere Frey's not going anywhere Oz is not going anywhere so you have these three you have three four or five guys who just are going to be on your team and that limits the pool of guys who can be replaced. So it, it narrows on third base, and it narrows on shortstop, and it narrows on one of the outfield spots. So it, it, these, these discussions just have to happen, if that makes sense. Like I think people are probably tired of us talking about these guys, but that's the big podcast question. Like We could come out and talk about what happened in the seventh inning two nights ago, but this is a weekly podcast. It's going to be more more big picture for the most part. And this, these are the big this is roster the, building questions. Talking chop. If you want, if you want game recaps, you can get, you can read those at Talking Chop, no problem. But what you're going to see here is if, if you want to have an honest, real discussion about something, then that's what we're here for. And I'll be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong a lot. Like, it is oh yeah, what it is. I know well, I'm, I'm the host of this podcast, and people, I think some people at least trust my opinion, and I'm going to give it. At the same time, I think I'm decent about acknowledging when I'm wrong. Like, for instance, Yohan Camargo and Nick Marcakis. I was very wrong about those guys in 2018. There is no way around the topic. That. The topics that we are often talking about are like 60 40 probabilities sure. or like 60 40 sure. It's baseball. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that 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 is exactly it. Crazy things happen in baseball. We are going to be wrong about guys. I guarantee you. I mean, I have I've looked through previous prospect rankings we've made. I only ranked Johan Camargo in the top 30 prospects one time, and that was my first list here. And I'm and sure he is, that was probably reason. I mean, the thing is, that's reasonable. I mean, but People at the same like, time, that's just well, one no, example. But like that's that's exactly. some, that, that's a guy who like if you're a fan of Gon Camargo that just ignores completely the fact that he was like a 680 OPS guy in the minors, like you could tell me that you that you knew all along he was gonna be he was gonna be this hitter, and I'm gonna tell you that you're either lying or you misevaluate him in the first place. Like yep, I, but that also makes him a great story. And it's that's, awesome. No, and, that's and, and, that's, and that's and that's great. I'm glad you said well, that because I'm probably guilty of that, but. I've tried hard this year to at least reference the fact that Marquecas and Camargo in particular are great stories, and I was wrong because I was. Like it doesn't mean that you know it's can't predict baseball. That's that's the, that's the theme. That's, <laughs> yep. that's, that's that's sort of the Twitter mantra. And Marquecas 2018 is like the poster child for can't predict ball. There was nothing in his profile the last handful of years that would that would have said National League All Star this year. And, and there's there. plenty of stories. I mean, like who would have thought at the beginning of the year? That you know, Ronald Acuna was the favorite to win the 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 National League Rookie of the Year. That guy is probably on the the Washington Nationals roster right now. You know what I mean? And that was a guy who missed a bunch of time last year, and he went from low A to hitting 300 in the majors right now. And he's what 19? Yeah, he's 19 years old. No one saw that coming. No, it's wild. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like, and, and, and that's great. Like, I that, but I mean, but at I, the same I didn't time, mean to like, just... I'm not going to pretend that you know the numbers don't exist and that I haven't gotten an impression about a guy. And that's what made this makes this season really fun because at, we never thought that this was going to be the case this year. But the a lot of improbable things happened, and now the Braves are fighting for the, the at the top of the division and look really good, and that's awesome. They do. I'm glad we went in that big picture direction for a minute. I'm sure it was. Uh, Incoherent at times for me. I am tired and 
get big picture <laughs> and start to, to start saying stuff and throwing stuff out there. So I appreciate your flexibility on that, Eric. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a time where uh, you know nuance, as they say, is dead, and we are trying to have nuance on this podcast. So I hope hopefully you guys understand that's the mantra here. I um, and, and and some won't, and that that's fine. They can live in their little world where you know one sentence matters to them more than anything else. That's totally fine. And listen, I was. I got an interesting discussion this week. This, this will be the last thing we do, I, I promise. But um, about sort of my fandom and the fact that it's kind of dead. Um, I cover the Hawks a lot more than the Braves, I will say, you know, in person um, for credential reasons. <laughs> but, uh, like, I'm not a Hawks fan anymore. I, I cover the Hawks, and I, you know, I wish them well. I, I know the guys involved. I know a lot of the team personnel. And I, I, I hope they do well. But I'm not. I'm really not a Hawks fan anymore. Um, I still have some Braves fandom in there deep down, but at the same time, I do think I, you know, my mantra is sort of, I'm going to evaluate the team and it, as, as objectively as possible. So I, I, I will still say I openly root for the Braves. Um, it's not quite as dead as it is with, for, with the Hawks, but um, the nature of being a sports writer and a podcaster that kind of does this as a um, supplemental job is the fact that I'm not supposed to be a homer anymore. Um, I know that's not necessarily the credo of everybody, which is totally fine. Um, but I, I it's kind of dead for me in a lot of ways. Whereas this year, it's kind of stirred back up in me. I think two years ago, I would have told you that I probably would never get excited, like really like actual fan excited again. And I've been pretty excited this year about the Braves. So like, it's been fun. I, I think I uh, naturally keep myself in line with just the way that I think about stuff and to not get too excited. But the last few podcasts, I think people have been saying like, look, you've been really positive. I'm like, yeah, it's there's nothing, there's nothing to be negative about. This team's been awesome. Yeah, so. yeah, the team's been playing really. I mean, like, what do you what do you say? Yeah, playing really well. I'm sure I, I can. Like I'm sure I can find Ronald a way to be Cooney negative. Leadoff is doing really. It's, it's doing good things. I'm I mean. sure I can find a way to be negative about this team if I really tried, and I've done that at times. But uh, no, there's no need right now. Like, catch but me in October. Think, but, but don't think that because we're suggesting upgrades or saying there's the ways that things could be better does not mean that this team is performing poorly. Oh no, that's, that's the big. That's the biggest thing. If we're talking about who like wh- who should be batting seventh and eighth. And kind of and like managing platoon splits, that means that this team is doing well because otherwise we're like, so uh, the rotation's awful. So who should they go? <laughs> so who's going to make it from the minor leagues to actually bring this thing back up? And right. I'm just making a bunch of goodwill right now so that in, in October, if the Braves make the playoffs, I will be my my old self and be just be crushing Brian Snicker. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm making you go, I'm, I'm making you go to a playoff game and like I'm going to make sure that like I'm sitting right next to you. <laughs> oh, uh, fun fact: I have attended. I believe it's like. 10 of the last 11 Braves home playoff games. Like I'm always there and like just dead inside. Um, so it's, <laughs> they, they haven't gone very well. Spoiler alert. If you're, if you're a new Braves fan, go back and check. It's not gone very well at home, especially in uh, the Turner field days in the playoffs lately. Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to being in the building. Um, we'll be in the stands cause that's where we'll be. I'm coming. I'm coming to find you, and I'm going to live tweet you. No, I mean, I'll be the, <laughs> Brad I'll be the guy has his hand my, in his head, head in his hands. I'll be the guy unraveling on Twitter. Uh, playoff baseball is something that I hope we can experience again. Um, on one hand, but on the other hand, there's nothing as brutal as playoff baseball. Um, it can if you're hurt. a fan. Because it's just meltdown. I actually, meltdown. Every I actually pitch. had to save. I had to save three uh, St. Louis Cardinal fans because you I mean you were there that during that one game. Oh, card, yeah, I mean, I had three Cardinals fans sitting behind me, and they were actually really nice guys. And I'm like, seriously, guys, you need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, time to go home. Yeah, you need to leave. <laughs> All right, man, we, we've gone way too long. That's my fault. But uh, thank you, Eric, for joining me on the podcast as always. Please plug anything you would like, my friend. I know you have other non-Braves interests as well, so get anything up, anything that you want out there. Uh, I mean, you, you can obviously read our stuff on the minor league side at TalkingChop.com. Uh, 
don't really have any like new prospects list or anything about. And we also have about one month left of minor league recaps because the minor league season is going to end. So we'll talk. We'll be talking about you know September call-ups at some point. You can also read my stuff over at MLB Daily Dish, where I am now the site manager as well. Uh, lots of different uh, original content's gonna be coming out very soon uh, about like kind of league-wide stories. It's a new arena for me because I've been very Brave-centric for a very long time. But it's been a really fun side project, and I've been having a blast with it. So make sure you check both those sites out. Uh, and make sure you follow Brad at BT Roland and, you know, tweet your trade proposals at him. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and say nice things to Brad because the, Brad works harder than anyone can possibly perceive. Works in multiple different sports, a bunch of different sites and podcasts. Just say nice things to Brad. I know I, I get people to tweet, you know, kind of mean things at Brad or, like, you know, like, why do you hate Ozzy Albies and things like that. But say some nice things to Brad on Twitter. He, he, he you know... It, it, it will certainly brighten his day up, so please do that for me. I think I'd be more comfortable if you tweeted mean things at me, but uh, I appreciate that, Eric. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, as for I, mean, else, I, got, I got you covered, buddy. Don't worry about it. Absolutely. You'll be uh, stirring it up in no time. I'm sure that's what we do. Uh, it's all in good fun. Um, everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or if you'd like to listen to podcasts. If for somewhere else that we should be that we are not, please let me know that, and I'll do my best to get us there. But you know, SoundCloud, talking, of course, every podcast on TalkingShop.com. So if you want to read like sort of like a listening guide for the podcast, we have a post every time that the show goes up. So that'll be in there as well. So thanks, Eric. I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again again. We'll do it again very soon, I want to say. Probably another week or two, and then we'll do this again. You know me. I'm around. <laughs> you are around. Uh, I'm, I'm, right. he, I'm here for you. Yes. All right, everybody else, stay tuned. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>